0: If you knew something wonderful was going to happen to you tomorrow, do you think it would make a difference in the way you lived today? That's my opening question for you. Think about here for a second. If you knew something wonderful was going to happen to you tomorrow, do you think it would make a difference in the way you lived today? I know for sure that this is the case with my children, especially my four-year-old. Right. If you tell her we're going to go to like the pool tomorrow or we're going to go visit grandma and grandpa or we're going to go to the zoo or something. Oh, man, that definitely changes today. Yeah. If she gets all excited, she starts to get ready. She packs her things. She puts the swimsuit on. She puts the shoes on. She follows you around the house. Is it time to go yet? Are we ready to go yet? Can we go now? Can we go now? And she's so excited and so filled with joy if somebody calls the house she's like hey grandma grandpa guess what we're going to the pool tomorrow she's just so excited right so if you knew something wonderful is going to happen to you maybe you're going to inherit a large sum of money or maybe you're going to go on that beautiful vacation to some beautiful place or maybe you're finally going to reach some of those fitness goals you've been striving for you know it's going to happen tomorrow And I bet that would change your present day, right? Probably walk with a little hop in your step. You know, probably be filled with a little more joy. People wouldn't get under your skin quite so easily if you knew that tomorrow was going to be wonderful. Well, I kind of think that St. Paul had this in mind when he was writing Romans chapter 8. He's thinking about the future and how that definitely changes the present. In Romans 8, he talks about how we can uh, live victoriously here and now. Why? Because, for one, we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. For number two, we are the children of God. And three, what we're going to look at today is, is because we have this glorious future to look forward to. The new heavens and the new earth, this new reality where God is going to take us uh, from our suffering and into glory. So St. Paul uh, talks about in chapter eight, uh, right before our text, how we are the children of God and heirs with Christ. Uh, The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And here's where it shifts a little bit, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Yeah. The glory. Give me that, right? Yeah. We're heirs with Christ. So on the one hand, we got our father is the king of heaven and earth and created all things and we are his children, his heirs and we get the glorious riches of heaven as our inheritance on the one hand but then on the other hand, St. Paul says but right now, guess what you get? There's going to be some suffering. You got to suffer with Christ here and now. And of course, uh, St. Paul here's most likely referring to suffering for bearing the name of Jesus so persecution in particular And uh, St. Paul had plenty of that, but he's not excluding other kind of suffering either because he talks about it later in this chapter. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? So there's plenty of different kinds of suffering that we are going to endure here this side of eternity. Um, These bodies are, are prone to illness, disease, and death. They are dying bodies we have loved ones who pass away we have things that just don't pan out in life work doesn't go the way we want it to school doesn't work out the way we want it to um things fall apart in our lives people hurt us people betray us and we suffer and we groan under the weight of all of our suffering and saint paul writes about groaning a lot in this uh these few verses three times he talks about groaning And to groan means to um, experience deep grief and sorrow under our current circumstances and pain. Deep grief and sorrow. But St. Paul says um, that this groaning won't last forever, uh, but God has a plan to bring us from our groaning and into glory. And that fact, that truth, should give us hope and change the way we live today. So the three kinds of groaning. First, the creation is groaning. The creation groans. And before Paul gets into that, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's something to just pause and think about, right? Your current sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be yours. St. Paul elsewhere writes about how this momentary affliction is preparing us for the weight of glory that will be ours in 2 Corinthians. it's Like the suffering is getting you ready, toughing you up for the weight of glory to be in the presence of God. And St. Paul, he definitely had his fair share of sufferings, right? That guy was shipwrecked. He was beaten up. He was blinded, you know, by God. There on the road to Damascus, he um was tortured, put in prison, and then finally died a martyr's death. And he says, our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that will be ours. Then he writes, for the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. So all of creation is waiting for our restoration, for Christ to come and restore all things creation is eagerly longing for this animate inanimate the birds the trees the grass your dog i mean every every all of creation is waiting for our restoration and the re- revealing of who the sons of god are for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it so all of creation is a victim of who Who's the perpetrator? Anybody know who of him who subjected it? Who was that? It was Adam, right? Adam committed the sin. He disobeyed God, and God cursed the ground because of it. So Adam's the culprit here, one who subjected all creation to futility, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of god it's the second law of thermodynamics this corruption you know this this bondage to corruption this decay things fall apart Uh, that's the the way things are you know hillsides and shorelines erode and uh, there's hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and all manner of natural disasters that destroy things things are falling apart not only that mankind isn't always all that kind to creation there's all sorts of environmental degradation of over hunting and over fishing and over grazing and and environmental pollutants Uh, apparently we live in like this toxic soup of chemicals that's affecting all of creation even humanity itself according to the department of fish and wildlife humanity is an endangered species and it's mostly our fault pretty much all our fault yeah And so all of creation is in this bondage to decay. We are as well, and we're all waiting for the freedom of the glory of the children of God, for Christ to come and liberate us from our sin and from disease and death and corruption. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So there's the groaning. Creation is groaning. Ah, oh, when will we be liberated? But this isn't a death pain, but it's a birth pain. Labor's with birth pangs. So it's, it's it's pain with a purpose. A pain that's leading to something, right? It's like a mother is expecting a child. Creation is expecting its new birth. It's new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. And that's something to to look forward to. Where God is going to turn our groaning into glory. Where the desert will blossom like the rose. Where the wolf is going to lie down with the lamb. And the lion eats straw like an ox. No one will hurt or destroy on my holy mountain, declares the Lord. And that news should change how we live today, right? We should act like Creation is going to be restored and take care of it and be good stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us and to humanity. Number two, the believer groans, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So on the one hand, Paul's like, yes, we have the spirit. We have this hope, this new life, forgiveness. And yet we're still subject to this, this decay. We're groaning inwardly because these bodies are going to fall apart and we're going to die. And that is sad. We have loved ones who fall ill and die. Then we got, I don't know, anybody feeling groaning lately? You know, the aches and the pains, right? We all are feeling it from time to time. And then we got our own sin that we deal with, that we struggle with, and we look out in the world and see the sin and evil out there, and that wears on us, and we groan over it. Oh, man, you just turn on the news, you look at your feed, and it's just overwhelming, just wars and violence and predation and evil, treachery, greed, jealousy, the death of unborn children the mutilation of the flesh of children in the name of gender affirmation. We groan like, Lord, please do something. Have mercy on us all. We groan when we see just everything that we hold as true and beautiful and good and sacred is profaned out there in the world. Where good is called evil and evil is called good and we groan and we mourn and we grieve over sin. And you know what Jesus says about those who mourn, right? Blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus' message of hope in the Gospels was an eschatological message, right? Or, Or the eschaton, the end times. This message of hope will be fulfilled at the end of times. And we see that in our text for today. Just wait until the harvest and everything's going to get sorted out, Jesus said. Fear not, I will restore all things. So we wait. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We wait till Jesus God acts it's a hard thing for us as Christians right especially for us more action-oriented people but a lot of being a Christian is just waiting you're waiting for God to act you're waiting for Christ to return to restore all things and so we wait with patience until that last trumpet blasts and the dead are raised and Jesus makes all things new third the spirit groans likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I've mentioned a lot about our weaknesses as humans here already, um, but here's another one. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. This is so true. We don't know what to pray for in our trials and temptations. So often we ask God to uh, alleviate some sort of suffering, to, to save us from some unpleasant thing. When in reality, that could be the exact thing we need to strip us of our pride and teach us to depend on God and trust him more. Or we might be praying for that uh, really good thing or something that we think might be good for us. But in reality, that's the thing that would lead to our demise. We often don't know what to pray for as we ought. But guess what? We got the spirit. The spirit knows us and the Spirit knows the will of God, and the Spirit is interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit's groaning with you in your pain and in your suffering, and the Spirit knows what you need and is asking the Father on your behalf for those things. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And not only do you have the Spirit, but you got the Son interceding for you, pleading your case before the father and they know what you need. My final thought I wanted to leave you with this is this. You are destined for glory. Yeah, you are destined for glory. When Christ comes and he returns and banishes Satan into the lake of sulfur and gets rid of all evil and sin and pain and suffering, you get a new body We're going to be feasting at a great banquet with God and all the heavenly hosts and all the believers who've ever been. It's going to be awesome. You know, the wolf is going to be lying down with the lamb. The new creation, the new Jerusalem, streets painted in gold. It's going to be beautiful. Now, how is that news, knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, going to affect you today? How will this message of hope inform your mood this week, affect your mood as you go about your days this week, as you interact with people? I want you to think about that this week.